Hello, and welcome to the ATPE podcast, brought to you by the Association of Texas Professional Educators and covering the hottest topics on Texas educators' minds today. Hello, and welcome to the ATPE podcast. My name is David George, and I serve as the editor for ATPE News Magazine. I have with me today Monty Exter, an attorney, uh, one of the state's preeminent lobbyists on public education policy, including school finance, testing, and accountability, the educator pipeline, school safety, privatization issues, and public pensions and retirement. A former legislative staffer, he has extensive experience in organizational leadership, coalition building, PAC strategies, and elections. Today, we're going to discuss the teacher retirement system, or the TRS, uh, specifically the retirement benefits uh, that teachers earn and explore how they can be effectively offset by Social Security laws. Monty, could you give us a little insight into how TRS benefits are structured and perhaps a bit about the rule of 80 that I'm sure everyone's at least a little bit familiar with? Absolutely. So TRS is the um, Teacher Retirement System of Texas. Uh, It is primarily a pension system. They also deal with teacher health care, but today we're just going to focus on the pension side. And the way that that works is that uh, everyone who is an employee of a K-12 institution in the state of public K-12 institution in the state of Texas, and some higher education employees uh, pays into that system throughout their career. And then upon retirement, uh, they draw a a pension um, for the remainder of their life. So when does retirement start for TRS? Right. So that that is an interesting question because a lot of people think, well, I've stopped working for the school district and now retirement has started. Um, which isn't exactly accurate. So you do continue to pay in for any period of time when you're in the school system. You're not paying in after that point in time, but retirement doesn't actually start until you tell TRS that you are ready to start drawing your pension, Um, which could be very shortly after you stop working for the school system, but it could be years down the road from that. Uh, In fact, if you started working for the school system after the uh, early 2000s, the likelihood is is that you're not going to want to start drawing your pension until you're at least 60 years old so that you don't incur early retirement penalties. So a lot of school districts don't participate in Social Security as well as TRS. Um, can you give me any insight into why that might be and which school districts that you know of do? Absolutely. So um, it is not only that not a lot don't, it's almost none of the ones in Texas. The, the list of districts that do participate in Social Security is less than 10. Uh, so the reason behind that, honestly, is because years ago, decades ago, in fact, um, the, the federal government allowed states uh, to decide whether or not they were going to have their employees that were on a qualified government pension system, which TRS is one of, um, also pay into Social Security or just do their government pension in lieu of paying into Social Security, um, as is fairly typical of Texas. Um, they took the route that cost less money, <laughs> which is to rely solely on TRS. Now, at the same time, we also have a longstanding position in ATPE um, not to advocate to require folks to pay into both systems because not only does the employer pay into both TRS and Social Security in states where you pay into both, the employee also pays into both. Um, so effectively, 
uh, both the state and the employees save money in at least the short term by not paying into Social Security. That's interesting. Uh, where can TRS and Social Security benefits overlap? Right. So uh, perhaps you as an educator have worked at some point in your career in a state that does pay into both. So there would certainly be an overlap there. Additionally, uh, as time has gone by, more and more of the educators in the classroom today are there as second career professionals. Um, and they may have had a significant number of years where they were in a private job that paid into Social Security. And so they have paid into that system. Um, alternately, uh, we have a lot of folks who maybe start off their careers in public education, but don't spend their entire career in public education. And they go to a private sector job where they're then paying into Social Security. But maybe they've got enough years in public education that they want to continue to have the availability to have that pension upon their ultimate retirement. Uh, additionally, you're going to see overlap because a lot of Texas educators are married to someone um, who is in is paying into the Social Security system, um, and therefore they may qualify for some spousal Social Security at some point in their lives. So, what happens to specifically spousal Social Security money uh, when you take into account you've been uh, with TRS for all these years? Right. So whether it's your own Social Security or spousal Social Security, if you're in a system uh, or a situation where you at any point in your career have paid into TRS, but for a period of time not paid into Social Security, so you're working for one of the all but 10 districts or less than 10 districts that doesn't pay into Social Security at some point in your career, then you are either going to be subject to what's known as the windfall elimination provision, which impacts your own Social Security, or the government pension offset, which impacts spousal Social Security. Uh, since you were asking about spousal, let's talk a little bit about the GPO first. Um, the way that that works is it's set up to be somewhat of a parity um, to the way private um, married couples uh, deal with Social Security. So. Spousal Social Security was initially created in order to ensure, um, well, and it was created right a long time ago when um, the vast majority of couples within the American population, you had one spouse that was working, typically the husband, and you had one spouse oftentimes that was at home and wasn't working, um, typically the wife. And so as a, pol a matter of policy, public policy, there was a decision that we didn't want to have a situation where as these husbands who were drawing their own social securities passed, oftentimes years before their wives did, that we all of a sudden have the wife no longer getting any sort of income stream because she doesn't have her own social security. She never worked. Uh, and so they created spousal social security, which says we're going to take 50% of whatever the social security earning spouse was getting and you qualify for that. So in order to try to create um, some fairness and parity, I guess, what they did is they said, we will also take a look at that in situations where both spouses have earned their own Social Security, but you don't get both. Um, so what happens if you've got two spouses that are in the Social Security system is 
you look at whether or not spousal social security or your own social security is a larger number and you get to take the bigger of the two. So in Texas and in other places, teachers, this also applies to a lot of police officers, firefighters, military personnel at one point. Um, again, they have the option right to pay into a government pension in lieu of social security. So what they're doing with the GPO is they're essentially saying, then we're going to go ahead and stand in your government pension for that social security within that calculation of which one you get to take. Now, there is a, a slight advantage to doing the government pension in that instead of having a dollar for dollar offset, uh, like you do if you've got two social security annuitants, what they're going to look at is say, we're going to look at a two thirds per dollar offset. So for every 66 cents, you get in your, or for every dollar you get in your TRS pension, we're going to count 66 cents of that against that spousal social security. Um, and so if your TRS pension is large enough that two thirds of it is greater than the spousal social security you would qualify for, then it would totally wipe that out. But if it's less than that, so let's say that your spousal social security would be a thousand dollars, right? Your spouse was getting two. You qualify for half, which means it's $1,000 in spousal social security. And let's say that you're getting $1,000 in your TRS pension. Well, if it was social security for social security, right, that would wipe out and you wouldn't get spousal social security. But because it is TRS, you're going to say, great, $1,000, 66 cents on the dollar means that I have to take $666. And I'm going to take that against the, my spousal social security of 1000 so I'm still going to go ahead and get the remainder of that thousand in addition to my full thousand dollars of TRS. And so that's how the GPO offset works. Interesting. Now, there's a windfall elimination provision or what's known as the WEP as well. Uh, how does this impact retirement benefits for teachers? So as we were saying a second ago, the WEP impacts you when you're talking about your own Social Security. So in the instance that you are a second career teacher who's paid into the system, or you are a second career private uh, employee who's then paid into the system, um, or maybe you were a teacher in another state that paid into Social Security, or maybe you were in one of those few districts in the state that paid into Social Security for part of your career, but were in another district that didn't for part of your career, um, then you may qualify for your own Social Security but because you also had that experience in TRS where you were not um, paying into Social Security, then there's going to be that WEP offset or that WEP offset. Um, unlike the GPO, it's not really based on how much TRS you're drawing down. It's just a formulary amount. Um, and it goes, it, it's inflation adjusted, so it goes up a little bit over time. Um, it is most of the time not going to wipe out your full um, social security benefit if your benefit is very large at all. Um, but it is, you know, for between four and five hundred dollars a month that it's going to knock off of that social security benefit. Now the sort of important thing to also know about the WEP though is that it does phase out over time if you have enough years in social security because the the logic behind it, and I will say the logic behind it doesn't really play out, to be honest. Um, it doesn't make good sense in my personal opinion, and we certainly have a position that the web just shouldn't exist. Um, but the logic behind it was 
you know, you're not getting this windfall of the windfall elimination provision because you're getting calculated as a low income employee because they're not seeing what you've paid in through social security or what you've paid in to your government pension through your um, teacher salary. And so they're trying to sort of make up for that. Um, and in doing that, they're saying, oh, but if you paid in for at least 20 years into regular social security, then we're going to start phasing that out because it doesn't make sense anymore. So at 20 years, the WEP starts to phase out. And if you've got 30 years of substantial payments into the social security system, the WEP completely phases out. Um, again, the logic behind the WEP doesn't really pan out, um, in my personal opinion, but that is how it currently works. So with regard to retirement benefits, how should we spend our advocacy efforts? Uh, in other words, what are we doing to protect those benefits? Absolutely. So again, ATPE has longstanding positions on both the WEP and GPO, as well as on your TRS pension. Um, so on the WEP and the GPO, we certainly have a position uh, that uh, both of those should be repealed. Um, you know, we, we believe that educators are um, a significant benefit to society and an underpaid one at that. Uh, and that part of, you know, the sort of implicit agreement that society makes with educators is even though you're not going to be necessarily highly compensated during your job, we're going to take care of you upon retirement. And so we think that eliminating the weapon, the GPO for them, um, would be a good way to live up to that implied promise. Uh, at the same time, unlike some other organizations who say it's all or nothing um, with uh, repeal of the WEP and the GPO, um, we do take a little bit more pragmatic approach and say, we know where we are right now. If we can get something better than now, even if it's not everything we want, better than now is still better and we'll continue to fight for getting rid of the WEP and the GPO altogether. Um, so we've certainly advocated over the years for bills, particularly on the WEP, that would increase the amount of money in educators' pockets, even if it doesn't completely decrease um, all of the WEP penalty. Um, that said, when you're looking at your highest ROI, uh, it is important to note that for almost all educators, even ones that have earned a significant amount of their own Social Security, your TRS pension benefit is going to be richer, is designed to be richer of a benefit in retirement than Social Security. And so if you can work on increasing that benefit, then it may be a bigger bang for your buck in terms of your political advocacy efforts. Um, also, you have to think about what are the likelihoods of each of those particular things to happen. Um, the WEP and the GPO have been in place since the Reagan administration um, with no significant change over that period of time, despite the fact that there has been constant efforts from multiple state-level organizations and in multiple industries to try to move the needle on that. Um, and we continue to try to move the needle on that. Um, and we have worked with the ranking member and the chair of the relevant committees uh, in Congress for a number of years. We have good working relations with them. Um, but it's still a very expensive proposition and it faces a real uphill battle at the federal level. And the federal level is not necessarily known for quick legislative movement in the first place. Um, alternately, you can look here in Texas, and while it has been a number of years at this point since we have had a true cost of living adjustment, 
uh, in Texas for our TRS retirees. It certainly hasn't been since the mid 80s. Um, it actually has been about 20 years at this point. And in the interim there, we have had a number of 13th checks come through, which is not as good as a full COLA, um, but is better than the nothing that has happened on the federal level. In addition to that, I think that what's really important to know for this upcoming session is that there is real momentum, um, both because of implied promises that have been made by the legislature over the last two cycles, in addition to the fact that we've done a lot in the last four years to shore up the health of the TRS pension fund, in further addition to the fact that we have a large fund balance sitting in the Texas Treasury, um, that there is a really good possibility of having a substantial cost of living adjustment or COLA in this next legislative session. Um, so if you're going to advocate on something right now, my personal opinion would be that you call your Texas legislature and tell them that you want a COLA and you want a meaningful COLA um, for Texas retirees. Even if you're not a retired teacher yet, putting that COLA in place now is still going to help you when you get to retirement. Um, in addition to that, we are certainly also going to try to have conversations about um, putting in place a system where we get more regular COLAs than we have as of late in the TRS pension system, um, which is also a, a perhaps more fruitful conversation um, than some of the things that are going on at the federal level. Uh, it's also important to note when you do talk to your Texas legislature, um, everything about Social Security, including the WEP and the GPO, those are federal issues. Um, so the Texas legislature does pass a resolution every single session telling the feds, hey, we think you should do something about that. And that's the extent of the power of the Texas legislature to influence Social Security. So when you call them, um, you know, certainly maybe thank them for opposing the weapon, the GPO, but understand that they don't have any ability to actually impact it. Um, they do have the only ability uh, on COLAs. TRS does not have the ability to give you a COLA, only the Texas legislature. So if you get a COLA, it's because your legislature gave it to you. And if you don't get a COLA, it is because your legislature told, chose not to give it to you. And not because they don't have funding, because they do have funding this time around. So that that is my two cents on the ROI of pension advocacy. Well, thank you, Monty, for eloquently explaining all this information to us. Uh, as always, if you have any questions or feedback, uh, you can send those to com, that's C-O-M-M, at atpe.org. And we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast as well as leave a review. So thanks again for being here, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the ATPE podcast. For more information about becoming part of Texas's largest community of educators, please visit atpe.org. The information provided in this podcast is for general purposes only. Individual legal situations vary greatly and viewers needing individual legal advice should consult directly with an attorney. Eligible ATPE members may contact the ATPE Member Legal Services Department.